listening to the Evolution 101 Podcast. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening. My name is Zachary Moore, and you can email me directly at zach at drzach.net. You can also send feedback or submit questions for the podcast through the website at drzach.net slash evolution101, which links to the archive page at freethoughtmedia.com, transcripts of these episodes, and other fun stuff from time to time. You may have heard at some point in time about the, quote, mitochondrial Eve. Well, this title refers to the most recent common female ancestor of all humans currently in existence. That is to say, a woman who lived in the past of whom all modern humans are descendants. Some of you may be wondering, did such a woman really exist? And the answer is yes, but she wasn't who most people think of when they think of someone named Eve. The mitochondrial Eve was someone quite different. But before searching her out, let's first go over the word mitochondrial. A mitochondria is an important part of every animal and plant cell in existence. You can think of a cell like a large machine with a number of different systems within it that contribute in an interconnected way to the overall function of the cell, much in the same way that a car is a large machine with a number of different systems that all work basically together to make the car go. You can also think of your body. It's composed of a number of subsystems which contribute different functions to the overall performance of the body. Each system is composed of a separate structure called an organ, which houses that particular function. In the same way, the separate subsystems of a cell are also made of individual structures, and biologists call them organelles, because they're like organs, except they're, to use a technical phrase, very, very tiny. One of these organelles is the mitochondrion. The mitochondrion is a small, oval-shaped structure that provides the cell with the energy that it needs to carry out all its other functions. You might remember from way back in high school biology class the basic formula for the generation of energy. Sugar, or glucose, plus oxygen becomes carbon dioxide, water, and energy. Well, it seems basic enough, sure, but there's a lot of details that are sort of glossed over in the word becomes. I'm not going to do much better either here. I, I don't really have time for an overview of the Krebs cycle, but I do want to point out that the becomes part takes place mostly in the mitochondrion. The mitochondrion contains a lot of really cool proteins that play a kind of chemical shell game with the electrons that are found in the carbon bonds of sugar, with the eventual result being the formation of a molecule called adenosine triphosphate, or simply ATP. This molecule is the basic energy currency for all the important chemical processes that take place in the cell. If something exciting is happening, it's probably using ATP. So the mitochondrion is an absolutely essential part of the cell. It seems nearly impossible that plants or animals could have evolved without them. And the story of how we got them is an interesting little aside, but it's also relevant to the subject of mitochondrial Eve, I promise. Mitochondria don't really seem as if they belong in cells. They chug along, virtually self-sufficient, really only relying on the rest of the cell to supply it with sugar and oxygen and remove the waste products. In fact, it almost seems like kind of a parasite, but 
but not really a parasite. Parasites don't really give anything back to their hosts. Mitochondria are more like a symbiote. That is, they're in a symbiotic relationship with the cell around them, in which they provide things that the cell needs, like ATP, and the cell provides things that the mitochondria needs, sugar and oxygen. But if the mitochondria in your cells are part of a symbiotic relationship, when did that relationship start? Well, very likely a long, long time ago. Probably before there were even multicellular organisms. Mitochondria actually resemble bacteria in a number of ways, and it's likely that at some point in our evolutionary history, a species of bacteria that was very good at converting organic carbon to a simpler kind of energy currency was engulfed by a larger cell that perhaps was pretty good at collecting organic carbon, but not so good at breaking it down. Since this pairing was of selective benefit to both species, they continued to associate. And since the selective pressure for the bacteria to function outside the larger cell was reduced, it then lost that ability and became stuck inside. Not that it cared, of course. All it cared to do was convert energy and replicate. One strong piece of evidence for this scenario is mitochondrial DNA. That's right. Mitochondria have their own DNA, completely separate from what we typically consider as the center of the DNA in the cell, the nucleus. Mitochondrial DNA contains most of the genes that mitochondria need to make their proteins and replicate, although some have migrated into the nuclear genome, actually. And it replicates itself completely separately from the rest of the genome. Mitochondrial DNA even uses a slightly different genetic code from nuclear DNA. You remember from the molecular biology primer that DNA is read in three nucleotide segments called codons, each of which correspond to an amino acid for the synthesis of proteins. Well, in mitochondria, some DNA codons that would correspond to a particular amino acid in the nuclear genome instead correspond to a completely different amino acid, a very fundamental difference between the two. So what do mitochondria fascinating as they are, have to do with our mothers, and our mother's mothers, all the way back to our most recent common mother. Well, that has to do with two significant aspects of biology. One, as I've already mentioned, is that mitochondrial DNA replicates only in mitochondria and doesn't interact with the rest of the genome. This means that not only are mutations which occur completely separate, they also won't be covered over by recombination with genomic DNA. The other thing is that sexual reproduction involves two gametes, or sex cells. One, the female, is very, very large. The other, the male cell, is very, very small. So small, in fact, that it really doesn't contribute anything to the next generation other than its DNA. So what does that mean? Well, that's right. Mitochondria are only present and passed down in the female gamete, which means that every mitochondria in your body right now is shared with your mother only and not your father. Now, this presents a very interesting opportunity. Your genomic DNA, of course, is composed equally of DNA from your mother and your father, so it's not always that easy to figure out genetic ancestry, especially if you go back many generations. However, if you use mitochondrial DNA, you're guaranteed a source of DNA that is only passed down from mother to child, 
and that is not complicated by recombination with genomic DNA. Now comes the fun part. The idea of an Eve, or a most recent common female ancestor, isn't really that hard to grasp, and nor is it dependent on genetics. It's just common sense. I mean, think about it. Family trees tend to get wider and wider as they progress down the generations, so it stands to reason that they'll also get narrower and narrower as you go back in time. If you go back enough generations, eventually, every single human living today will have the same female name in their family tree. That's just logical deduction. The same is true of all organisms, not just humans. There's a bear Eve, uh, a sparrow Eve, and an aardvark Eve. The trick, then, is to take a look at the mitochondrial DNA from a wide sample of humans and, upon calculating the mutation rate, work backwards until you figure out when the most recent female ancestor would have lived. And to spare you the trouble of going over the calculations, I'll just give you what's been discovered. The mitochondrial Eve lived about 150,000 years ago. That's quite a bit older than most people associate with the name Eve, but that isn't the only difference. The mitochondrial Eve wasn't the only human woman alive at the time. If she had been, then it's very likely that humans would have gone extinct very soon after. In actuality, the mitochondrial Eve was one of many women alive at the time, and the only thing that makes her distinctive is the fact that there is an unbroken chain of female descendants going from her to each and every one of you listening to this podcast today. Other women living at the time may have had only sons, which means that, of course, that their mitochondria would have been passed on, even though their genomic DNA would have. Still, other women would have had daughters at the time, but their daughters might have had only sons, with the same result to the flow of mitochondrial DNA. For many years, in fact, the honor of mitochondrial DNA Eve would have switched from one woman to the other, as different lineages either died out or produced only males. Speaking of males, we men have something to offer to the study of gender-specific heredity, our Y chromosomes. Since Y chromosomes are only inherited from fathers to son, and since the Y chromosome doesn't travel in pairs, it's also an excellent source of information for paternal inheritance in human history. A marker of the Y chromosome, Adam. Interestingly, the data so far seem to indicate that the male who would have been the Y chromosome Adam would have lived many years after the mitochondrial Eve, so there's virtually no chance that they would have even lived in the same time, let alone known each other. And with that, the last of the comparisons to the mythical Eves and Adams dies off. So, to review, the concept of the mitochondrial Eve refers to the woman in human history whose mitochondria have been inherited by all humans living today. This is due to the fact that mitochondria remain somewhat separate from the rest of the cell and carry their own DNA separately from the nuclear genome. Comparison of mutations in mitochondrial DNA from modern humans indicates that the mitochondrial Eve lived about 150 years ago, although her male genetic counterpart, the Y chromosome Adam, lived much later. That's all for this week. Take care.